0: Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. Thanks for, for being here today and uh, glad you're, you're with us. Exodus chapter 15. Are you alive? Are you blessed? Yes, I will. Bless the Lord. Uh, Last week we wrapped up uh, 21 days, uh, 21 day uh, prayer journey that we kicked off uh, the year with. We had our our week or our first month of the year uh, with a prayer emphasis and the first seven days of January uh, was uh, set aside for prayer and fasting. Then the the next 21 days uh, we did a 21 day prayer journey and uh, had some folks say, Hey, do we have to stop that? Uh, I hope not. Um, but we'd love to hear the the stories of, of how you've grown, what God has done, things that God has spoken to your heart that we can maybe agree with and pray with you. Uh, so we love to hear those things. We have a... Uh, An email address, simply stories at myfaithassembly.org. We'd love for you to share just what God has done in those 21 days, something that you're believing God for, something the Lord's been speaking to your heart. And uh, again, we'd love to to pray with you, but uh, you can send that by email. We'd love to hear about it. And uh, as we pray, God speaks, and God continues to lead us into the places that he has for us. How many believe he's leading? Yeah, if he's leading, God help us to listen. And uh, we'll step into, into what he has. We're in a series called uh, A Great Expanse. Um, I am convinced that the greatest days of the church are still ahead of us. And I don't mean just faith assembly. I mean the church, the body of Christ, the, the worldwide movement. Um, uh, I mean, you can call this a movement. <laughs> uh, this thing started over 2,000 years ago, and the gates of hell still can't stop it. And they're not going to, because <laughs> it is, it is an effective work caused by God. You know, the the scripture says that the glory uh, of the the house, the place of God's presence, uh, the temple that was that was that was built, um, the prophecy was spoken that the glory of the house in the later days will be greater than the former days, and uh, we are we are in that progress that we are moving in those greater uh, greater days. Just the the work of God, His Spirit. That is moving and uh, interrupted flow. That's what the, the expanded, interrupted flow of God's presence. And here's what we know. The gates of hell will not, st- will not come against the work of God. It will prevail. And uh, we get to be a part of this. I want to look today in Exodus chapter 15. Um, Moses has just led the Israelites through the Red Sea. They've been in 400 years of captivity The beginning of chapter 15, if you were to look at the start of chapter 15, uh, they were singing the song of Moses. They're dancing. Someone even brought a tambourine. You know, you never know. Uh, Just break one out and start singing and dancing. And um, if you do, try to have rhythm. If not, go to a back room. That doesn't sound nice, but uh, uh, I'm sure these, they, they had rhythm, and uh, they, were, they were beating the tambourine and singing and dancing, and uh, they're giving praise to God, and then uh, uh, along the journey, they come across disappointment, and I want to talk today uh, uh, just uh, how we respond in, in uh, the, those moments, and here's what I know for a fact. God is ordering the steps of the righteous. The steps of the righteous are order of the Lord. There's only two type of people on the earth, the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, and so those who are the righteousness of Christ, that walk in Christ, he's ordering our steps, which means even the steps that lead through disappointment, God is still working in those, Amen. all right? And so I want to I hopefully encourage us today and, and uh, give us some perspective to see God working in greater things and in greater ways. Exodus chapter 15, why don't you stand with me? The essence of this is I basically want to say don't put God in a box, just because it doesn't look like he's working, don't judge his work based on what it looks like. Um, there's a masterpiece. You ever watch an artist start to draw and, and put something on the canvas and the artist begins to paint something? Uh, I, I don't know if you, you've you ever seen this. And to be honest with you, for the first, I don't even know how long it would be, but it's like, I don't even know what they're doing. Anybody ever watch a painting uh, happen? I, the One time we saw this, uh, it was a guy who was... was, was uh, painting for, um, it was in this concert I was at or something. I don't even know. But this guy's got this canvas, and I'm like, okay, well, that ought to be interesting because right now it looks like nothing. And uh, it sure was interesting by the time it all came together, what all brought about. How many know God is a master artist? Amen. He knows how it doesn't look look like it's, it's doing what it's supposed to, but he's working even in those difficult places. Here's Exodus 15, verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in the desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. You know the same ones that were dancing and singing and shouting. Uh, Three days later here, they turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. The Lord showed Moses a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and it made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. This is where this was established. He establishes this decree with them. And I would say to you today, it's still an establishment. It's still, it's still in place. He establishes from the beginning, and here's, it still applies to us. He said, verse 26, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So I pray today, God, that you would help us to walk in healing. God, that even when we walk through disappointment, that, Lord, we would see your healing hand at work, that we would walk stronger than we were before we got there. God, give us perspective to see your hand at work. And, God, the greater things that you're still to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? Amen. High five your neighbor and tell them it's good for you. It's good for you. So said every mother, you may be seated this morning, it's good for you, so said every mother who tried to get her kids to eat spinach, it's good for you. Um, I don't know where this one came from, eat it, it'll put hair on your chest. What kid wants hair on their chest? Uh, that, that, uh, it's good for you, I, I want to I share from that title these next couple minutes, it's good for you. Um, some time ago, I wasn't feeling too good, had this congestion, Jody has this concoction she gave to me to drink by the name of, of uh, Alka-Seltzer Plus. This stuff is disgusting. I started with congestion, but by the time I was done, I had an upset stomach. It was like trade one issue for another. Like this thing was horrible. It didn't matter how many times she said, it's good for you. It's good for you. It didn't change the matter that this was disgusting and difficult to drink. It's Good for you. I find it interesting that sometimes the things that might be hard to stomach are the very things that God is using to mature us and grow us up. The very thing that might be hard to stomach are the things that are sometimes good for us. And God is working in those things. If he's a God who's ordering our steps, if he's ordering the steps of the righteous, then we know that we can trust him as he's ordering our steps and moving us into the place that he has for us. Here is Israel, 400 years of slavery. They have known how to be slaves. Now, you better believe they, they wanted to be free. But how many know you can want something but not really know what you want? They knew they wanted freedom. They wanted freedom. They had oppression. They were under uh, Pharaoh's rule, his thumb. Every decree, everything was made, he made their life miserable. They wanted freedom. The downside is they wanted freedom, but they didn't know how to be free because it's one thing for God to take you out of your situation, but how many know just because God changed your situation doesn't mean your mind has caught up to your new place? If you're in the old place, you've learned how to think like a slave for 400 years. My grandpa was a slave. My grandpa's dad was a slave. you got 400 years of people knowing how to be slaves. It was their mindset. Everything they thought. It's not enough to just fix problems by taking the problem away because if the problem just goes away and the mind never changes you just create a new problem down the road. The mind has to go through a process of changing that there is this work that needs to be done. They want to be want to be free, but no honestly they don't know how to live in freedom. They don't know how to think like free people. They think like slaves. Which is why it's important that when we are in Christ, we don't conform to the pattern of this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. I am saved the moment I invite Jesus into my heart, but my mind takes some catching up. My mind, I've got to change now the way I think. I've got to change, and as I change the way I think, it begins to change the way I respond, the way I act, the way that I, that I process things. There is a change, and I am continuing in this changing process, and God uses the disappointments in life to help me change. It's good for you. There are places that it's, it's disappointing. It, it didn't happen the way I wanted, but it's good for you. It, here is the Israelites. They're traveling for 400 years. They're going from slavery into the promised land. Moses has set them free. They are now walking through the Red Sea on dry ground. This is a miracle. Moses, of course, has his rod. He st- uh, uses the rod with the water. The water parts, and as the water parts, they walk through on dry ground. But they feel the, 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 the oppression, or they feel the, on their heels is the enemy because Pharaoh has now sent his army, he and his army, out to get Israel because how many know the enemy will always try to get you back from the place you left? The enemy's always gonna try and keep some hooks in there to keep you from where God has called you to be. And so the enemy is now pursuing The Israelites, they get through the Red Sea, and just as they get through, they stand on the other side of the Red Sea, and God causes now the wall there. Here now is everything that had held them back, they had been freed of. Start walking towards the promised land. Dig desert. There's always this transition. There's this transition. You know what the desert is? The desert is where people go, where things go to die. The desert is where things go to die. And you and I walk in places of the desert, the transition, because there's some things in us that need to die. Because if we don't change what's in us, we'll just take that with us to the new place. You can can have a person that lives in in a, uh, a place of filth and disorder and just a horrible environment. If you take that person out of their environment and put them in a brand spanking new environment, It will look good, but if you don't change the person, that new environment will just look like the old one in a matter of time. Because if there's not the ability, the knowledge, the the wisdom of being able to look after, to care, if there's not a person changed... Then in the process, we'll just revert to where we've been. How many know that was Israel's pattern? Follow the Lord, fall away from the Lord. Follow the Lord, fall away from the Lord. But because there was, a, there was the, the things in them that still needed to die and needed to be transformed, needed to be changed, which is why disappointment is sometimes part of God's desire. Disappointment, your disappointment might be God's appointment for what he wants to accomplish and change and shift in your life. That they're the places that it's for your good. I know it doesn't taste good. I know it's not good. You've been walking here. Now they are three days walking beyond the Red Sea. It's interesting that for three days they found no water. And they just watched water drown their enemies. They left the place, which is why it's easy sometimes to always think, you might as well just stay where you are. The enemy wants you to think, don't try and step up. Don't try and lead. Don't try and move forward in God because it's just not going to be easy. It's not going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Stay where you are. How many have ever been tempted to just hit the cruise control and stay where you are? I don't know if there's something wrong with us quitting or if we're just being honest. I don't know, just the three of us. But uh, we ought to get a support group or something and uh, start this out for us there's times where it's just easier just to stay where you've been. Just, just coast, just go. But God has not designed us for that. He's designed us to step into the things that he wants for us. It's one thing when you're walking and you can't find water. You know, it's what we read here, the Bible doesn't say that they complained during those three days. It doesn't say they complained because it's one thing to walk with hope when you're anticipating something. It's another thing to hold on to hope when the thing you found isn't what you thought. When you, you arrived at what you thought you were looking for and it's not what everything you thought it would be because now it's bitter. And now how do you hold on in that moment of disappointment? What is it that we, that we hold on to and recognizing that even in the disappointment what God is using to work out for our good it takes mature faith to look at disappointment with appreciation. There's a maturing faith that happens in us to be able to see disappointments as with appreciation that God is working because oftentimes what we do, and this is what had to be changed in the, in, in the Israelites, is they lived in the old mindset, and the old mindset is that Pharaoh is out to get you because he is. Pharaoh's oppressing you because he does. Pharaoh's punishing you because that's what he does. But how many know God has a whole different way of doing things? When you experience disappointments in slavery, it's punishment. But when you experience disappointment in freedom, it's preparation. It's preparation. Because sometimes we think, oh, if I would have had this problem, if I would have known we would have had this problem, I would have just stayed where I was. I would have just stayed in the place I was. Can I just encourage you? Don't let the enemy move into your, into your mind, and keep you trapped with that mindset. Amen. That is a spirit of poverty, is that God is not enough. God won't be enough, so just stay here and coast and just get by. No, the God you serve is an abundant God. He is for you, a God of more than enough. He's able to meet you in every place, even your disappointments, that he's using your disappointment for your good. Look at your neighbor today and tell him it's good for you. And I know they might be saying, but you don't know what I'm walking through. You don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, but God does. It's good for you not because your circumstance is good. It's good for you because the God you serve is so good that he knows how to take broken things and make them whole. He knows how to take bitter things and make it sweet. He knows how to take what was meant for evil and turn it for his good. That's the God he is. That in every circumstance and situation that we can trust him. It's not for our punishment. It's for our preparation. How do we look at this provision to see that God is bringing us into a place that it is for our good? There's a a couple things I want to encourage you with today to just remind you. When you come to disappointments, to bitter moments in life, it's for your good. God's using this for your good. The circumstance might not be good, but the God who is working on your behalf knows how to make all things work together for good. If he is ordering your steps, then you've got to believe he's even ordering the steps that lead through disappointment. That's hard sometimes. Because we walk through difficult places, and, and I know I, I'm, this is, I don't think I'm the only person, but this comes to mind. God, what am I doing wrong? Anybody else? why why is this happening? What, what is what's going on? what's what's the situation? what's happening? here's why should I give attention to the disappointment when I need to give my attention to the one who's greater than the disappointment like we said last week with Caleb. I know you all are wandering but I'm waiting on the promise of God. I'm not going to get lost in the wandering. I'm going to hold on to the promise of God that God will prevail. So this is for my good. if I believe he works all things together for good then I've got to believe he's working this. Here's what disappointments help happen. Here's why disappointments are good in my life. Number one, disappointments make me aware of my weakness. It makes me aware of my weaknesses. It's, it's in my weaknesses that, that I recognize that I can't do this on my own, that our weaknesses are, are, are a place that it, it allows us to recognize the old habits that need to break. Your weaknesses are the things that you've relied on that don't work And God needs to change some things that aren't working in your life. And your weakness needs to be revealed. And and God allows in those moments, I don't have what it takes, It it reveals a weakness. Can I encourage you that the enemy is not working through your circumstances as much as he's working through your response to your circumstances. The enemy didn't put Mara on the way to the promised land. Mara, the place of bitter water. How many know the earth, and just life being what it is, put Mar on the way from here to the promised land. We oftentimes give the devil more credit than he deserves. The devil doesn't work and have control because he has your circumstances. The devil has control because he's able to influence the way you respond to circumstances. The Bible says in James not to give the enemy or to give Satan a foothold. And what he says to that is in anger, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't be angry or, or be angry, but don't sin. He's making a point. how you respond. Anger is a response in life. Raise your hand if you've ever been angry. I'm just making sure we're in a real place right now, because if you've never gotten angry, you don't have kids. <laughs> that we're young. <laughs> Anger is a natural part of life. Being angry isn't wrong. It's when I don't have a proper response in my anger that I give the enemy a foothold. You see, the enemy didn't cause what made me angry. I gave the enemy control in not controlling how you respond to your circumstance. These words in regards to his weakness, 2 Corinthians 12. I asked the Lord to take it away. How many have asked God to take some things away? Yeah, God changed some things. God changed these circumstances. He, he says, I've asked the Lord three times to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. <laughs> yeah, but I need a drink, Lord. <laughs> I mean, they, they could have said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my grace is all you need, but we're going to die of thirst. This is, we're in a rough situation, but, but we recognize, yes, his grace is all you need. Paul says, uh, he says, my power works best in weaknesses, So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's in my weakness. Here's why we're strong. Because when I'm aware of my weakness and if I respond properly in that weakness, if I respond properly, it should bring me to a place where I become more dependent on Jesus. Those two go together. When I'm aware of my weakness and if I respond properly, then I move to a place of of humility and dependency upon Jesus. You are always in a better place when you're more dependent on Jesus. So thank God for whatever pushed you there. Some of you got closer to Jesus because you went through disappointments. Sometimes we've gotten closer because we walk through hardship. There, there's, there are two responses we see in this text here. The Israelites, they could not find water, and the Bible says that they began to complain. Do you ever try that? Things weren't going their way. They began to complain. What did Moses do? Moses began to call out to God. You see, there's something about recognizing your weakness. Whenever you don't recognize your weakness... Complaining recognizes someone else's weakness. But praying recognizes your weakness and God's strength. See, when we're caught up in complaining, we don't recognize our own weakness. It's always someone else's, the circumstance, the situation. So you can respond by complaining or you can respond by praying, and praying is my awareness of my weakness, which makes me say I am dependent upon God that I'm dependent upon Jesus. When you become dependent upon Jesus, you become more attentive to his word. Amen. The more dependent you are on him, the more attention you give to the word of God. So here's a question for you. How much room does God's word have in your heart? That will determine how dependent you are on him. The level of the word of God, so if the word of God does not have a daily place in your heart, then you probably don't have a daily dependence on him. You have a You have a pocket-style Jesus. Pull him out when you need him. But there's a difference between having it in your pocket and having a belt. There's the the belt of truth that, that you apply and put on rather than just, you know what, anything you have in your pocket, it's the last thing you grab on your way out. Just in your pocket. It's there if you need it. How many know he's not a pocket Jesus? That we need to let His Word be around us, His His the Word of Truth, that it becomes something that we that we engage in. If we don't make daily room for the Word of God, it says our dependence is not on Him as it ought to be. Now that's not a statement of condemnation; that's a statement of 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 observation, right? I mean, there's just certain things you know that it just equals, you know, two plus two equals four. So if Jesus matters in our life, how many know? his word ought to have place in our heart, okay? And so when we're dependent on Jesus, we're more attentive to his word. That's, in, that's important because the decree that he makes here is that if you listen to my voice, if you obey my commands, if you do what I say, if my word has place in your heart, he says, then I will not cause the diseases of Egypt to come on you because I am the God who heals you. How? Through the word, The Bible says he sent his word to heal our disease. It is the word of God that goes forth, that it is the word of God that we cling to, we hang on, we operate in, that when the word of God finds place, In us, that is us having dependence on him. When he is all that we want, we want him more than anything else. Uh, Psalm 63 1 says this, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Notice he says, my thirst is after you in a place where there is no water because when we are in Christ, we are completely consumed and we have all we need. Here's what I recognize. The more consumed I am with Jesus, the less consumed I am with my natural needs have you ever been working on a project you spent a whole day doing something and by the end of the day you didn't actually eat at all because you were just so busy doing what you're doing and not because you were fasting but because you were so consumed and engaged in what you were doing that you didn't make time to eat and that time to eat was not important to you because doing what you were doing was more important than even eating at that moment Did you suffer? No, you came to a place where you were productive, you did something, but in that season, in that time, your natural desires, your natural appetite became secondary to your pursuit. What if we pursue Jesus and his word that now our natural desires and appetites become secondary, okay? Okay. If there's things in us that need to change, don't focus on changing those things. Focus on pursuing the word of God. And as you pursue God's word, it will consume you and those things will fall off. Amen. They will become like shadows. The more we pursue, you know, people say, I've got habits, I've got things I need to break, how do I stop doing it? The focus is on how do you stop. The focus is on what do I need to start. You'll spend all your energy and time on trying to stop something. But if you start something with the word of God, we become dependent it makes us more dependent upon Jesus, and it makes us uncomfortable in our temporary. It makes us uncomfortable in our temporary situation. When we go through disappointments, I think it's a reminder sometimes to let us know your home's not here. Amen. There is a place that he promised where there will be no tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more hardship, and it's not earth. <laughs> It's in a new heaven and a new earth. So why do we think that we can find everything so perfect and without pain and without turmoil or without hardship? In this life, you will have trouble. Work as hard as you want. You won't change the word. You're still going to have trouble. Now, here's the thing. Trouble doesn't have me. It doesn't overwhelm me. Yes, I walk through those things, but I become victorious. I'm an overcomer. So it's almost like those problems don't even bother me because in Christ, I am more than a conqueror. Okay, so there's a perspective but it doesn't mean I don't have trouble because there are some people, they just have a joy and their joy is not taken from them and they just keep going on. They, they, they just have this, this about them. I believe that's the spirit of God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. And I believe you can have an uninterrupted flow of God's presence in your life that will not be disturbed no matter what comes against it. Amen. That you can know the presence of God, that, that uninterrupted, walking into the, the expanse of what God has for us. This earth is not our home. And sometimes disappointments are just there to remind us, don't get comfortable. Don't make it about this life. This is here today, gone tomorrow. So don't trade the eternal for the temporary. They they just got on the other side of, of the Red Sea and um, uh, of course, the, the scripture we read says that Moses led them, right? We, we read Moses led them. Now, you and I reading that, we're like, yeah, Moses was the leader, they followed him. But that word led them is not like, you know, follow the leader. That word led them means Forcibly. It, it's almost a picture of he had to force them and drag them along. Why? Because they just watched their enemy drown in the sea. They're on the other side. They're in freedom. Looks good to us. Let's stay right here. How I many know that's that's equivalent sometimes to pursuing God because I've got problems, and the moment my problems go away, I camp out right where I am. Don't pursue Jesus to get rid of your problems. Now, if that starts the pursuit, that's great but let it move into something more. Don't get comfortable where you are. Don't stop in the place that you've been. Allow this, this to move you forward. Here, here's number four. When I, when I walk through disappointments, it makes me healthier and stronger for the journey. Remember, it's preparation. What I go through makes me stronger. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you, that's what they say anyway. There, there's, things in, there's this ability to strengthen. Here's something interesting. Um, I read this uh, uh, this piece, uh, David Buckingham, he wrote uh, a, a book on the Israelites going from the Red Sea into the Promised Land. He made a medical connection, being a doctor and all that stuff, uh, he can do that. This I thought was interesting, he, he makes it this point, uh, of course he talks about how there, there are some trees, and no guarantee that this was the case here, But but there are some trees that that the bark has the ability that when you put it in water, it causes minerals and the heavy minerals to fall to the bottom of the water, making the top of the water able to be, be, to be drank. And so this is, this is a process. Now, here's what I believe. I believe God did a supernatural miracle by showing Moses a piece of wood. He applied it, and it transformed. But I do believe God also works, and I, we are a people that, Science is not afraid of Christianity and, and the Bible's not afraid of science. Okay. Some people think, well, to understand the, or to, to believe the Bible, you gotta get rid of science. No, you don't. As far as I'm seeing, everything that comes out of science, and even the more they show about the universe, it only shows how great our God is to create it and how much this world really needed a creator to have anything sustained. Every piece that's, that, that moves together that it points to the greatness of God. God created it, so God knew how to make minerals fall to the bottom. Why would we think man was some genius to be able to, God was already ahead of all this stuff. I mean, God already knew how to work in life in situation, circumstances. Here's, here's what's interesting. He, he speculates that even though the waters were now drinkable because the, the stuff floated to the bottom, there was still a significant magnesium and calcium content in the water. Now, This might be a little gross, but just read through this. The laxative effect of this would have cleaned out the digestive system of the children of Israel. You say, well, what's the big deal? Cleansing them of common Egyptian ailments such as dysentery and other diseases that were commonly passed around among the Egyptian pe- peasants. Basically, he's saying there that this was a medical medical thing that would happen as well because as this began to pass from them, it no longer became something they just passed around one another. That it allowed to pass through, it allowed healing. I, how many know God knows how to heal you? God knows how to bring you to play. Your disappointment might be the very thing that God's saying, I want this to heal you. I want you to it looks bitter. It looks like something you don't want to take, but it's good for you. Because if you allow this to work in you, it'll take out the impurities and you'll quit passing around the stuff they had in Egypt and you'll walk in the wholeness of what I have for you. How many know there's some things that need to die in the desert? There's some stuff we got to get out of our system. There's some things that need to be released. There's some things that need, need to be let go. There's some stuff in our lives that we need to, need to pass on. The, the Bible, or, or this, this, this connection the Bible making with these minerals. This guy goes on to say, Calcium, magnesium together form a basis of a drug called dolomite, which is used by athletes as a performance enhancer in hot weather conditions. At Mariah, God provided the right medicine to both clean out their systems and to prepare them for the long journey to Sinai. God knows what he's doing in this moments of slavery and each that have been held over you that his word you've been taught how to live like a slave you've been taught to be controlled by your thoughts and and your anger your insecurity your disappointments yeah you're saved but we're still living in the strongholds that need to be released and God will let us go to disappointment sometimes because he's working in those difficult moments to cause us to break free from what's held us to walk in the newness of what God has for us it's good for us look at your neighbor tell him it's good for you it's good for you I am the God who heals you how many believe he's the healer if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face turn from their wicked ways I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sins and I will heal I will restore I will heal their land oh God heal heal us we're broken people We've lived our whole lives knowing how to be slaves. But Jesus came along and he's been teaching us how to live in freedom. And he's even used disappointments sometimes to help direct us and help teach us. Here's the last thing I want to give you. The last thing is this, that when, when I go through disappointments, it makes me aware of the power of God in me. It makes me aware of the power of God in me. When I go through disappointments, notice we started with, it makes me aware of my weaknesses, but it ends with, it makes me aware of God's power. That's when it goes from bitter to sweet. Oh, it started out bitter. I'm weak. We don't have what it takes. We're stuck. But it gets sweet because God shows up. And here's how God showed up. He showed Moses a piece of wood. What I want to encourage you today is I, I feel two things strong in my spirit. One, is God wants you to be healed and healing is so that you can move on. Move on. I didn't say get over it. I said move on. The enemy wants you to stay trapped in your burden, in your grief, your disappointment, your pain, that hurt. The enemy wants you to stay in that. It's natural for you and I to be in difficult places. That's natural. We oftentimes want God to heal us, which means take away the bad thing from the past. Healing is not just associated to setting you free of what your past caused. It's about releasing you to walk into the future that God has for you. We limit healing because we look too much from present past. Healing is not about present past. Healing is about present future. When God heals you, it's not so that you can be set free from what you went through. It's so that you can be set free for what God has for you. It's sending, which is why Jesus, when he healed the man, he sent him to the pool of of, of Shalom, which means asylum, which means sent. It means to be sent out to be healed and be sent. When you're healed of God, when He heals you, you're meant to be sent. God doesn't want you to just stay where you've been. He wants you to move in healing. Now. Here's something interesting. Moses says he prays. Thank God for prayer prayer people. Thank God for people who don't just complain, but who pray. (laughs) little side note. Next next time somebody complains to you, ask them, have they prayed about it? I want to tell you what's going on. Have you prayed about it? Moses prayed about it, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Now, what Moses could have thought is, hey, I used this rod and it worked on the Red Sea. I might as well use this rod again. That's the danger. God wants to give you a new method. Don't get stuck in the same place you've been. If you're going to go into an expanse that's where you've never been before, then why would God use the same things he's used before? I love talking about what God did in the past. But let me tell you, where God wants to take us is further than we've ever been. So let's not just do it like we did it in the past. Let's carry with us without a doubt. But let's not miss. Just because God did it like that in the past, how many know God wants to show us? Notice what he did. He says to Moses, or it says of Moses, that God showed him. Here's what I pray today. God heal you and God show you. And those two go together. God, show me insight for my family. Show me insight for my business. How many believe God wants to show you things that doesn't? Listen, everybody else was saying, it's bitter, it's bitter, it's bitter. Moses went to prayer and God said there's a piece of wood and if you put that piece of wood in that water it'll change the situation I thank God for people who pray and I believe that God's raising up people who don't just say it's bad it's bad it's bad but people said no I prayed and the Lord has said he's given me a word he's given me I'm going to move on what his word says because when I move on what his word says the Bible says he will bring healing and the disease of Egypt won't come on you because I am the God who heals you I want you to know today that you are healed in jesus name he is the god who heals you he's the god who heals you you're going to go through disappointment don't stay there don't run back to egypt pray and let god give you the piece of wood can i tell you he already did jesus said take up your cross daily and follow after me the cross changes everything up your cross and follow after me when you carry the promise and the word of God in your heart your disappointments you'll turn around and say that was good for me that was good I didn't like it but in the process that was good for me look at your neighbor tell him one more time this is good for you it's good for you it's good for you God knows what he's doing how many believe God knows what he's doing come on would you stand to your feet all across this room your God knows what, you're, what, you're, what he's doing, where he's leading you. Mara was not a surprise to him. He knew. And guess what? He's given you what you need to make it through. You've come to a difficult relationship. God knew. And he's given you the wisdom to be able to navigate that relationship in wisdom and in grace. The Bible says in Jeremiah, Ask of me. Seek me. And I will show you great and mighty things, things that you don't yet know. I'll reveal truth and mysteries to you. I'll show you that piece of wood. The Bible says in Corinthians, Paul said as well, that there's no, there's no temptation that is too much for you. That God will give you a way of escape. He'll show you. He'll show you. How many say to God today, God, show me. God, show me. Yeah, show me. I want to sing this before we go. And as we sing this, would you, just, would you just ask God right now to show you whatever your disappointment is, whatever that thing is, whatever it might be, you've come tomorrow. You've come to a place of bitterness, a place that's a difficult place. Say, God, show me. Let God give you insight. As we sing this, come on, just, just let God begin to speak to you.